A spoonful of sugar may have helped the medicine go down and send Mary Poppins into a happy song and dance, but today's woman of impact and my fellow Brit would disagree that it is the antidote for real health and happiness. You see, she began her search for happiness from a very young age after bullying and a challenging relationship with her mother both seemed to have no end. And so while her friends were out partying, she was training in neuro-linguistic programming, working hard to understand human behavior and the power of hypnosis. She wanted to find ways to fix the internal mental, emotional, and physical stresses she was enduring. And through transcendental meditation and self-development training, she was able to finally begin healing. This was the inspiration for her extremely tactical book, How Happy Is Your Health? And through her work with the Prince of Wales on his Harmony TV documentary, as well as co-writing four films for Al Gore's Live Earth event, she was inspired to look at her environment both in the home, the work, and at large. This was the inspiration for her extremely tactical book, How Happy Is Your Home? How Happy Is Your Love Life and How Happy Is Your Marriage, she continues to spread her message as a well-being brand ambassador for Fortune 500 companies, as well as through regular features in publications such as Times, Self and Women's Own. So please, join me in welcoming the founder of the award-winning Village Workspace, a luxury shared office space whose services emulate boutique hospitality to clients ranging from Shopify to film and TV writers. The woman that once partnered with Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution to raise consciousness about health and happiness. The happiness guru herself, Sophie Keller. Wow, what an intro. Welcome <laughs> Thank to you, the Lisa. Show. Wow. Your yeah. four books were so incredible. I had so much fun researching you. And I want to go through each book because you just dropped so many nuggets of gold. Mm, thank you. And so I've picked out the ones that I found extremely fascinating. Right. Um, but what I want to start with is, mm. why did you start with each book with a quiz? Well, I at the time was writing for the Huffington Post and I had done about 100 articles for the Huffington. And what I was doing as I was doing those articles was testing to see which worked. Mm. So what were audiences reading? What did they respond to? How much social media was I getting on each particular article? And I found that when I did a quiz, I had an, an enormous response. So decided mm. that I would do a series of books that would start with a quiz. And depending on how you answered the quiz, it would take you to the tips that you needed the most. So that's really how they came about and how the quizzes came about. I love the quizzes because it really made me <clears throat> think about my own position before I started diving into the tips. Right. Um, it was kind of like putting up a mirror yeah. and like reflecting because sometimes I don't think we ask ourselves the questions that we need to find the answer to then be able to change it. Yeah. So I found that really fascinating. I love that. Um, and so I actually want to start with the health one first, because right. I think you actually even said number one step is your health. Yeah. So one of the things you actually said is, which I found extremely fascinating, I'm thinking it's all going to be diet related. And you yeah. do, you break down ingredients and certain things that are healthy, which I love. Mm. But there are things like let go of anger. Mm. Well, anger will age you. And uh, keeping anger suppressed in your body really does affect your cells. It, it affects your stress levels, which we know has a huge impact on health. Um, so 
I think that the idea of understanding how you respond to things emotionally mm. is really important. So you mentioned about my youth and that I, I spoke to, I was bullied a lot at school and I realized that it had a deep impact on my stress. It affected me emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. And after a while, I started to get a bit of a bad back. So I really um, had problems uh, sitting, standing, and I just didn't know how to heal this. But when I started to go to therapy, which I went at a really young age, I actually started it with Transcendental Meditation at 14. That's really young. Really young. And it, the interesting thing is, is that your physical, um, my, my mental and emotional state uh, really is affected me physically. I felt that my back and the pain that I was having was to do with the stress, very so much stress-related. you stress knew it was stress-related? I knew it was stress-related. Okay. And I was struggling at, were, at school. I was struggling at home with my mum at the time. Mm. Right now I have a great relationship with my mum and did from 21 onwards. But at that time we really struggled with each other. So the, what you're looking at in the health book is where I look at different aspects of health and how your health can be affected, not just by the food that you eat, but by the environment that you're in and the emotions that you're having. Right. Yeah, I so expected it to be a guide of eat this, don't eat that, mm. do this, don't do that. But the things like the stress really hit home because... Um, I have been dealing with a lot of stress and right. I'm noticing that it absolutely has become detrimental to mm. my health. But it took me a while to get there. Mm. I, first of all, absolutely thought it was just the things I was eating. But once I was able to really like look out at my whole lifestyle, mm. um, it really m highlighted that Health is way more than just what you put in your your body. Mm. And one of the other things I like in your book is like, um, just look at the now. Mm -hmm. And so why do you think that is so good for our health instead of always saying like one day or when I, I know that you've mentioned that a lot, like when I do this, then I'm going to relax and take care of myself. But people need to start really focusing on the now. I think a great addiction that we have is uh, being in the past or in the future and letting our minds be in those different uh, places rather than present. At the same time, I also talk about one of the biggest addictions that we have apart from sugar is worry. Mm. So worry, you need to be thinking about the past or worrying about the future. And this idea of holding your vision and handling what's in front of you is something that I really uh, do think that it's good to go by because mm -hmm. you're holding your vision of what you want in the future and how you would like your life to unfold in one aspect or another, mm -hmm. whether it's your home uh, life, your work life, your relationships, etc. And at the same time to be in the moment and recognize that we're only here for a certain amount of time, Lisa, that the, the, we often live as if our time is endless on this beautiful planet. And it's not, it's not, it goes quickly, it goes like that. 
And can I stay in the moment and yet um, move towards what I'm wanting to move towards in terms of what I want to create, how I want to express myself in the world and how I want to connect with others, which is, as you know, is another really important part of, of my work. So how do you actually do that? So I'm listening to this episode. I'm like, all right, got it. Stay yeah. in the now, but also like know what I want and what I'm looking for. How do you maneuver right. that? What does a day look like? Okay, a day process? looks like yeah. if you want to know where you are, look at your feet. Ooh. So if you're catching yourself in your head, take a breath and look where your feet are because where your feet are is where you are. Ground yourself, come out of your head. Right, okay. okay? Come out of your head. The other thing uh, is also to look at, you know, how do you think? Mm -hmm. What are you thinking? Mm -hmm. uh, what are your internal thoughts? Um, are they positive? Are they negative? How are they affecting you? Who's in your head? Is your mum in your head? Is your dad in your head? Ooh, all right, let's yeah. talk about that. Because I think you're so right. I think us, as we children we've got a certain perspective that is given to us from our parents yeah um okay well you're a girl or you're this and you should be mm. this oh no you should be playing with dolls like yeah. so it is kind of taught to us as mm. we're growing up so as we're adults sometimes you almost don't know whose voice it is mm. have you got any tips on like how you actually identify and then what you do with that well i think that if you listen to the voice you'll pretty much know who the really? voice is if you're uh, dad was gruff with you and you've got a gruff voice in your head, then it's probably your father. Mm. If, uh, you know, you're feeling insecure about something and or worrying and your mum was a warrior, maybe you got it from your mum. How do you, let's say I've got voices in my head and... <laughs> now and turned, now I love that you turned one voice into voices. I know, it's true. Yeah. Okay. And because I actually do, because I think, you know, there are certain lessons that I learned from my father, certain lessons that I learned from my mother. Um, and then how do, you, how do you differentiate what other people's voices are compared to what your, your own voice is? Well, the question is, is if you uh, listen to something in your head and then ask yourself, well, do I really believe that? Yeah. That's is nice. that really true? Yeah. And then if you really uh, think, well, actually, it's not necessarily true. I have this mm. technique that I sometimes teach where um, if you have something negative in your head, you can put it in front of you, in front of, if you're right-handed, put it in front of your left eye. If you're, if you're left-handed, put, put it in front of your right uh, vision. And let's say you say something negative inside of uh, yourself, you can put that sentence up, cross it out with a red marker in your mind's eye and think, okay, what would I rather think? Mm, I like that. That's great. So now I want to move on to your next book, which yeah. is The Home and the Workspace. I get asked a lot, like, how do you run a business out of your home? And it's really difficult. And in reading your story and how you came about into feng shui, because I believe you had some um, immune issues, you'd just blow up with your boyfriend, both of your parents had just been diagnosed with cancer, I believe. And so you had this just like overwhelming, I think, load on you. 
and you turn to feng shui in order to be able to um, bring harmony to it. So can you talk to me a little about that? Well, at the time that I I'd learned feng shui very young, um, and so my first feng shui teacher was in the UK. I was very young at the time. The second time that you're talking about was I was on a show called Gideon's Crossing. After I did Gideon's Crossing, it was really interesting. That was a very pivotal moment on a lot of levels for me. And you're right, what was happening is at the time I'd split up with a long-term boyfriend, the show had, I had finished on the show, and um, my parents had both been diagnosed with cancer at the time, and a lot was going on, so I decided to train in feng shui. Mm. And that was really me trying to get my life back in some way mm. or other. And I found it really fascinating. I used to just test it to really see if it worked or not. So uh, that's definitely something that I incorporate into my work. Mm. And as you mentioned, I now own uh, co-working spaces. So the village workspaces, we have two locations in Los Angeles. Mm. And what I did was I took the foundation of my work in home, health, uh, relationships and so the and fun, the feng shui aspect as well and incorporated it into workspaces could we create a workspace that was based on the lifestyle field and on my, the work that i had done in the past and make something really really special and we have companies like uh, SoundCloud, Shopify, uh, part of Match.com, we have CBS, we have USC, we have Netflix shows, we have Amazon shows. Um, we've had companies, we've had Pinterest in the space, mm. we've had Credit Karma in the space. We've had a long list of, of, of companies that really like the environment. What's the, the results you've noticed? Like, are they more productive? Like, what mm. is it that is gravitating people to this space in order, like, because these are big companies. Uh, when I wake up in the morning, I need to feel that I'm making a difference. It's really important to me. I know when I walk into the workspace, there are 300 people in one of my spaces who I know are flourishing. They're doing extremely well. They, I know that they wake up in the morning and they visualize the space they're walking into and they leap out of bed. Not only does it impact um, themselves, mm -hmm. it impacts their family. Mm -hmm. It impacts their fellow workmates. It impacts their friendships. So it reverberates out. So do you need to be Gandhi? Do you need to be Martin Luther King to feel that you're making a difference? Mm. No, I know that those 300 people, those 400 people, those thousands of people maybe that I've spoken to across television, radio, uh, online, mm. etc., a difference is being made to their lives. Maybe it's something that I've said, something that I've done. It doesn't have to be huge right. because it reverberates out. It you can touch one person's life, 10 people's lives, 200 people's lives, and you don't know how it's going to affect the people who they're affecting, mm -hmm. their lives. So you don't have to do big things. You just need to do what's important for you. Do you need to be 
making an impact because I'm doing a show called Making an Impact. Mm -hmm. Do I need to, am I making an impact just by being a well-being um, expert in well-being and happiness, etc.? Or is it that I can be a plumber and make an impact? Mm -hmm. Is it that I'm a chef and making an impact? It doesn't have to be in any particular way. It has to be in a way that is meaningful to you. You could be an accountant. You could be doing anything. It's where you come from in what you're doing. So it is not the state of doing. It's your state of being. I love that so much. That's awesome. Um, I, I always want to say drop the mic, but I don't want you to drop it yet because there's still, still so much yeah. to talk about. Um, so I want to go over to your book, Love, now. Yeah. Um, I love the loved the um the thing that you say about like stop bringing your past into the, mm. the current relationship and um I've been married now for 16 years so it's been quite a long time mm -hmm. since I've ever really thought about doing that but I know people who absolutely struggle with that mm. um what advice can you give there and um because I think it holds a lot of us back from having a beautiful relationship well there's a number of aspects to look at when you're dating right? Firstly, who are you choosing? Are you choosing people who are like your mum or your dad or a guardian, whoever has looked after you, right? Now, are you choosing somebody who's got their good features or they're not so good? They're challenging features. So it's really important to look at who are you attracting for a start? Mm -hmm. Who are you attracting? Are you attracting the same person over and over again. Mm -hmm. And once you've come out of that relationship, let's say you're dating, like you said, and you've dated for a number of months or a couple of years, you really need to write down for yourself, well, what did I love about that relationship? What, did, what worked for me? What didn't work? What worked about how I behaved? What didn't work about how I behaved? What worked about how he or she behaved? And what didn't work? So, you need to really analyze what it is afterwards is working and not working. And if you start to look at your past relationships, you might see a bit of a pattern of who you're attracting. For example, let's say you're attracting emotionally unavailable men or women. Okay. okay? Now, is, is it that they're 55 and never been married? Are they withholding sex from you? Are they dating loads of other people? You need to look at who you're attracting mm -hmm. and how come, and how do you shift that? Right. Because the goal is, is that you're in a long-term relationship, right? That's people's goals in dating, most people, yeah. not everybody. And so, and sustaining it is a completely different conversation, but looking at who you're attracting uh, why you're attracting them, and do you want to attract somebody different? Right. And what does that mean? That probably ne means that you need to shift first inside of yourself. Mm -hmm. A good question to ask yourself is, what does your male side think of your female side? Oh, what do you mean by that? So if you just asked and said, okay, you spoke to yourself and you said, um, okay, my male side thinks my female side, and you just, whatever comes out, you can write it down. Mm. Oh, she's weak, she's pathetic, mm. she's can get aggressive, etc. What does my male side, female side think of my male side? He's a bully. Mm. He withdraws. Mm. 
So there you're starting to go, okay, my number one thing before you're going to be in a great relationship is usually, can you create harmony inside of yourself? Inside that male and female side of you, can they mold together? Mm -hmm. Can they love each other? And then it's about going about how can I heal that for myself? Yeah. Can we mold this internal relationship together in order to create a, a really harmonious external relationship in the now and into the future? And that's the question, because if you can, then you're much more likely to magnetize and attract someone who's perfect for you. Mm. All right, so let's talk about perfection. Yeah. Because you actually say there is no perfect person. Yeah. Um, how do we let go of that? Well, just think of your top five uh, personality characteristics that you need. Mm. Uh, start with 10 and then put them in order and then break down to five, then break down to three. Those top three are, are ones you've got to have. You'll never get ev everything. I really wanted to marry an athlete. Did you yeah. really? Well, somebody who was really athletic, but I had other qualities that were at the top for me. They had to be kind, mm. they needed to be loving. Mm. I wanted them to be warm um, and lots of other important aspects. And athletic was probably number nine or 10, <laughs> whatever it was. Uh, loyal, that I trusted them. So the question is, is, are you getting your top three? And those are the ones that I would focus on rather than um, everything else. And also you don't want someone to be damaged in the same way that you are. Now I know you're gonna ask a question yeah. about that. Um, so you need to have um, aspects of you that need healing that are different to the other person mm. so they can help you heal mm. those. That's really interesting. I never thought about that before. Part of me kind of thought like, oh, well, if you're going through someone and someone understands because they're going through it too, actually would help, but you're right. That's amazing. All right, so people are going, let's say, on dates. What are red flags? I don't really have a lot of opinions about first dates, yeah. but I, I do think it's important to understand uh, if you're going out with a guy, um, what's his relationship like with his mum? Mm. Because his relationship with his mum is a really big aspect of a man's uh, psyche mm. and of their upbringing. Yeah. And so you need to look at their relationships with their mum and their dad. And you, you'll get a lot of clues mm. from, from that. Uh, you really will get a lot of clues of who that person is very early on. If their relationship with their mum is good, you know that's good. Yeah. Same with a guy, um, if you feel that the person that you're with has a great relationship with their dad, mm -hmm. and if they have brothers as well, that's a really good indication they're probably pretty good with men, and they probably mm. understand men quite well. Mm. So these are sort of things that early on you can have signs and signals. I'm not yeah. saying that don't go out with someone who you know, their dad wasn't there or their mum wasn't there sure, or sure. anything like that. I'm just saying you, you sort of start to know what you're getting yourself into. I love what you said of like, you, I think you even have like the whole chapter is called every cell in your body needs to scream yes. Well, before you get married. Right, yeah. Not one cell needs to doubt right. it. Right. Um, because I find that a lot of people, um, at least from what I, I get asked, it's like, 
all right, well, I really love him, but you know what? I just don't like this. Or, you know, I'm not actually keen. I don't have that massive sexual spark, but they're so good to me. Like, I, I hear that a lot. Yeah. And when I read that in your book, it's like, I think that really is a problem that people struggle with. Well, it's, it does a shoe fit. It's a bit like Cinderella and the Ugly Sisters, mm. you know, trying to... Um, make the shoe fit right. because you want to get married. You want to have kids potentially or not, as the case may be. And the idea is, well, this is my goal mm -hmm. and I need to make something fit for that goal becomes a problem because it, down the line, you're marrying or in a long-term relationship with somebody who isn't quite right for you and why once you, it, the grass isn't greener when you're married you have a whole different set of things that you're negotiating with one person so why be in a hurry to get there when actually dating is great as well and I say to friends of mine who don't have kids it's it's great not to have kids as well don't think it's greener it's great to have them it's great to not have them mm -hmm. is it better to have one two or three or none or four who knows they all come with their own set of of issues that you you you're going to need to look at mm -hmm. the grass isn't greener wherever you are I love that. It's just you are where you are and that is that and you have what you have and each moment, we're going back to this idea of each moment is precious because we can't keep living as if we are here forever. Yeah. Yeah, talking about kids, so that brings me to your last book, Marriage. So you put in something and I wanted to stand up and just give you a standing ovation when I read it. It was like, your partner comes before your kids. Mm. Now, I don't have kids, but Tom and I have been married for 16 years. We've spoken many times about do we want kids or do we not? And we always said that if we decided to, that they need to be second in our relationship and that he will always be my number one and I will always be his. And I felt badly saying that out loud for a while because mm. I think people just were like, oh, you're selfish. But when I read it in your book and the way you explain, it makes so much sense. So can you talk to me a little about that? And did you do that in your own life? Like, did you guys talk about putting each other first? Well, why I put that tip in was because I saw my parents do that and they've been married for 55 years. So they always put each other first and we were second. Now, as a kid, when you're seeing your backbone, which is your parents, strong and stable, you grow up, I grew up stable, and I believe my brothers did as well, because we saw two people who are few, were fused together mm. regardless. They were always singing from the same song sheet. Mm. So if one said something, even if the other didn't, believe in it, they back them up. Mm. Um, now, was that sometimes to our detriment? Maybe. However, in the long term, you as a couple are, end up at the kitchen table staring at each other because your kids have gone off to college and they've gone to live their own lives. And the fact is they're going to leave home and you're staring at each other without the children involved. I love yeah. the, the fact that you do things together. And one of the chapters mm. in your book where you say is like, you need to fly separately and together. Yeah. 
talk to me about that because that's one thing that I get asked a lot on. Yeah. How do you stay your own woman when you're married and married to someone that is extremely alpha and wants to, you know, has that um, energy? And it, it's a dance for me, but it is important that I always stay myself, but always working together. Yeah. And I love that you put that. Talk to me about like how you actually do that. Well, I'm, I'm doing a podcast at the, at the moment called How to Work with Your Spouse Without Killing Them. <laughs> really? And, that's yeah. amazing. <gasps> and so that's, um, you know, I look at couples and how they work together and how they do well together or not so well together. Mm. And I like the idea of... of um, working well with your partner. And my fascination with the podcast, for instance, is, well, how do people work together? What are the tips, if you want to work together, what are the tips uh, that you need in order to do that? What do you need to avoid doing? And um, how can you do it harmoniously? Mm -hmm. And how can you help each other heal in, in doing that? Now, it's not for everybody, right. but... Um, with my, some of my new work in, the, in this podcast, I'm looking at, well, how do we do it? How, how do other couples do it? Yeah, I love that you always talk about teamwork and that's mm. exactly what me and my husband, so we built Quest together, we built this company together and it was really that. It's like, we're a team. He has great um, skill sets in one area and I have great skill sets in the other. And instead of seeing that as competition, it's like, oh my God, we can yeah. work beautifully, harmoniously, like you said. Yeah. And it never really dawned on me until you actually just said it, but you said like having your own roles. Like Tom and I do have our own roles, but it really hit home when you said that because I think that allows you to flourish in your own position as an individual. Yeah. Um, and then allows you guys to come together and really flourish as a team and as a company. Yeah, you really need to have your own roles yeah. and wait what you're good at. If you are going to flying separately and together is something that I do talk about yeah. and how can you do that and what's the best way forward in which to do that. And that's why I've been recording this podcast, mm. How to Work With Your Spouse Without Killing Them, which is couples yeah. working together that's yeah. incredible oh well where can these guys find you online where can they get the books where can they find your workspaces you're opening up All of that yeah villageworkspaces.com is uh our uh, co-working spaces we're in los angeles and then on drsophiekeller.com you'll find everything else and if you don't find it there it will lead you to where you will Amazing. And for my last question, what do you consider your superpower to be? That I can keep my mind quiet. Wow. That's amazing. All right. Guys, guys, you've got to check out these four incredible books. Each one of them has 50 tips, which is amazing. So literally, if you want to be happy in all aspects of your life, go check her out, go check out her books, go check out her workspace. You know I'm going to go there and check it out as well. So if you're not following me, guys, please do follow me at Lisa Billu. And if you're not subscribed here, just click that subscribe button down there. And until next time, guys, go and be the hero of your own life.